Well, hello, everybody. A warm welcome to The Far Shore. We're on the trilogy now, episode three. So well done for those of you who have caught up with the last two. And we're, we're really excited uh, to introduce to you today's topic yeah, for the pod, which no, is... is very exciting. Well, today we're going to be doing something uh, a little bit different. We've got one of our first interviews coming up today with, with Nick Fast. Uh, he works for Athletes in Action, which is a college ministry uh, here in 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 the states, in the USA. Uh, before we get there, though, too, just uh, just a quick quick shout out. We always like to have a shout out at the beginning mm. to uh, some of our listeners, uh, some of our six listeners. Actually, we could probably we could probably just mention all the listeners by name, and we still have plenty of time for the podcast. But um, just a shout out to Diane. Uh, thanks for email, Diane. Uh, she asked some questions about Revive, uh, which was helpful uh, because uh, what we're going to be doing in this next week is we're going to be uh, releasing a kind of bonus cast. Um, and that's going to be some time to to talk about specifically what's happening at Revive, news from mm. Revive and that kind of thing, too, um, because we just have so much to talk about, Andy, that... Uh, you do. Yeah, otherwise, our podcasts would be like an hour long. So we just decided that we'll take some of the stuff we want to talk about, some of the news and things from Revive, and we'll kind of put that into its own kind of five, ten minute little bonus episode. B- bonus pod. Bonus pod. Do you yeah. like bonus cast? You laugh. Oh, but yeah, it was good. Yeah, bonus cast was good. Okay. So, uh, yeah, thanks, Diane, and thank you for your question. Yeah. And we'll and then, get to it in the bonus pod. Yeah. Or bonus then, cast. And then I had an email. I'm not going to mention, I'm not going to give a, a shout out to this person. I don't want to embarrass them. Uh, but okay. they, they had emailed me to ask me when the second episode would be out. Um, so I let them know the second episode's been out for about a week. Um, so just so people know now, this podcast is now on um, Apple. It's on Google. It's on Spotify. It's on Amazon. So if you have a, a podcast app on your phone, you can find Call to the Far Shore and you can subscribe and when we put a new episode up there, it will automatically download to your device. How exciting. Just like magic. Just like magic. Just like magic. Yeah. So anyway, so yeah, so I interviewed um, I interviewed Nick, Nick Fast, um, about his work. And, and the key uh, thing we talked about was uh, evangelism. Mm. <laughs> Is that some angelic hosts? That was angelic hosts. Well, you know, last week, Andy, we we discussed having a kind of sound effect yes. uh, for using uh, Christian language. Uh, that that is my my choice of sound effect. So it's, it's I, I thought it was choice. I thought it was better than some kind of klaxon. Yeah, yeah, or yeah. something. Yeah. So so More yeah so so yeah so uh, evangelism. I'm not going to do it again. We're just going to use it twice. So <laughs> that'll do. <laughs> uh, but again, it, it's a term that we use. I use a lot during this interview. So um, I thought it was worth maybe talking about what it is because I know, especially in the states, evangelical um, is become a term that is synonymous with um, with a political movement uh, yeah. or a certain um, set of beliefs, uh, and that's not what uh, Nick and I are talking about when we're talking about mm-hmm. evangelism. We're talking about the the act of sharing the good news of Jesus with people. Um, so, I mean, I think that's the easiest way of describing evangelism. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> that's wonderful. Uh, 
Anyway, so so with that in mind, as you're listening to us talk about evangelism, uh, why don't we get stuck into that interview? Okay, here I am. I'm joined with uh, Nick Fast today from Athletes in Action. Uh, Nick, thank you for for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm I'm very excited to be here. Oh, good. I'm glad. I'm glad someone is. That's great. That's wonderful. <laughs> so, Nick, uh, you and I first met back in in Albuquerque, and back at that time, you were working for Crew, um, which was formerly known as Campus Crusades for Christ, uh, but now you work for Athletes in Action. Um, so could you give our listeners maybe a little bit of background on what Campus Crusades for Christ is and, and how you first got involved with them? Sure, absolutely. Yeah, so how, you know, I, I don't have a very typical story for how I got involved with, I mean, back when I was a student, it was Campus Crusade for Christ. And like you said, now it's crew. And, um, you know, a lot of students, when they're going to college, they'll be approached by somebody in the ministry or, you know, just however they get involved, they'll spend, you know, maybe become a believer through the ministry or they'll just get involved as they're a believer. I was working in the oil field actually up in North Dakota and my sister had been, had she become a believer through the ministry of crew and she started praying for me, sharing the gospel with me and got me to uh, attend a winter conference with crew back in 2006. And, you know, I was a total non-believer, just kind of rough as they come oil patch guy, roughneck, uh, didn't grew up Catholic, so I had spiritual background. Had had I knew the stories, I didn't understand the gospel, and I became a believer at this winter conference. Heard the gospel there again. And, you know, my sister had been sharing it with me for years, and just kind of at that conference, really felt like the Lord was saying, "Okay, you're done with all this other stuff, and I want you to join staff with Crew." I mean, like the same night, I became a believer. Just a real. I don't have a lot of stories like that. I don't have a lot of stories where I feel like, man, the Lord just told me to do this or do that. And, and, uh, but it's just a really clear moment that the Lord was saying, you're, you're done with this old life and you're going to, you're going to move forward here with this new life. And so went back to school, um, eventually came on staff with crew and, you know, our first assignment was in Albuquerque, New Mexico, where we met you guys at, at, at church and the Bible study we were a part of. And, so that's kind of how you ended up in, in Albuquerque and on staff for, for crew. Uh, but now I know that you're in Wisconsin with Athletes in Action. So what was the kind of next steps in the pathway that kind of took you there? So my staff story is, you know, spent three years there under a team leader, just, you know, doing the work of like a staff member, evangelism, discipleship on campus. And, and we felt that like the Lord was calling us to lead a team and start a new team in Arkansas. And we moved to Arkansas in 2011, I believe. And, and, uh, you know, long story short, spent the last eight years there leading a crew team with staff members, uh, under me and, and, uh, you know, I think crew's vision is, uh, you know, as an organization overall is to help build spiritual movements everywhere so that everyone knows someone who truly follows Jesus. And that was something that my wife and I just really bought into. And we looked at, you know, central Arkansas of all places. And I grew up in North Dakota. She grew up in Wisconsin. And we looked at this area of central Arkansas that had, you know, over 100,000 students on all these different campuses. And there really wasn't, from our understanding, a real kind of gospel evangelistic type presence. Um, we, we, were, we just bought into that vision. We wanted to go there and help build these spiritual movements. And, uh, you know, we spent eight years there and we saw the Lord do some really incredible things and raised up a lot of, uh, a lot of great leaders and 
basically the point where we worked ourselves out of a job and it came to the point where we either needed to ship some of these other leaders off to go launch new campuses somewhere else or ship ourselves off. You know, we, I, I've always had a, a heart to pioneer. That's why we moved to Albuquerque. We wanted to start new crew movements. That's why I moved to Arkansas. And you look at Wisconsin and it was like, man, there's, there's crew everywhere. There's, there's crew movements all over the state. They've done a great job. When we looked at kind of some specific kind of niches that we could fill, there wasn't a lot of people reaching the athletic community. And we just saw this real kind of, kind of special place that we could go and reach a lot of athletes that, you know, aren't coming to church. They're not coming to crew. They're not coming to intervarsity. They're not, they're just kind of in their own little bubble. And that mean, we want to take the gospel to those people. And so that's how we ended up in Wisconsin, in, in Wisconsin. Claire, Wisconsin. Yeah. Awesome. So I, I'm a awesome. team leader here without a team yet. We're, we're praying that the Lord would raise up a team. It's just my wife and I. So I think it's interesting what you're saying there, Nick, in, in your story about your kind of move and your reasons for your move to central Arkansas. Um, a lot of our listeners, um, are international uh, from different countries, but uh, they may know that Arkansas traditionally is in what's considered the Bible Belt of America, um, you know, a heavily culturally Christian area. Um, so they may be confused to, to what, why was there no uh, kind of evangelical outreach or kind of good gospel outreach happening um, on the campuses in central Arkansas, in your opinion? Yeah, maybe I should walk that back. Maybe that maybe that no gospel presence would, would be uh, the wrong terminology, but absolutely. I mean, there's a church on every corner. There are, you know, there's 30 college ministries at, at some of the, literally at some of the schools we were at. And so, but what we were finding as we talked to some of the staff that were, had gone there before us and, and were no longer there is, you know, the, the, there was a lot of religious activity. There was a lot of nominal Christianity. And that's something that we found true, you know, in our whole time that we lived there. A lot of people would go to church or go to this ministry. But when you would sit down with these people, like I went on a vision trip before we decided to move there and, and sat down and, and we did evangelism just to kind of get a feel for the campus. And man, everybody I talked to that week said that they were a Christian. I mean, without fail. And not a single one was able to articulate the gospel to me when I asked, okay, well, what makes you a Christian? Why, why is that? It was consistently, well, I, I grew up going to church and I walked down an aisle and I prayed a prayer and I said, well, great. What does that, what does that mean now? Like explain that a little bit more and could not explain faith, could not explain sin, could not explain, um, Christ's righteousness, you know? And, and so it was just, it was clear that there's this, while there's this nominally Christian culture, there was a real lack of understanding of what the gospel is and how Christ really saves us. And that was really motivating to us. And that was, you know, that was for the whole eight years we were there. That was, you know, when I was in at University of New Mexico, it was very rare when I would, when we'd go out and meet new students to run into a Christian who would say, yeah, I'm a Christian. I believe uh, this is the gospel. This is how I, you know, this is, uh, you know, I'm Jesus is the son of God. I follow him. Um, very rare. When we got to Arkansas, it was opposite. Just, you know, very rare to meet someone who would claim agnostic or atheist. But man, they just feel like they didn't know the Lord. They didn't they didn't understand. It was just a real cultural thing. Do you have any perspective into why? What was that kind of disconnect, do you think, between um, this idea of, hey, I'm a Christian, but but not being able to actually articulate what that what that means or yeah. even even articulate what a difference that should make in someone's life. Do you, do you have any 
you know, it could just be your personal view too. Don't worry, you know. Sure. Yeah, no, I, I, I've thought a lot about that. And, you know, for a time, you know, I'd think, well, maybe it's just a matter of words. Like maybe they just don't know how to articulate what's really true and what's really going on in their heart. Like maybe they've really trusted in Christ and no one's taught them how to like articulate that, how to, how to share the gospel or how to, but I, but it was, I think it was really true. They didn't, they just didn't understand grace. And I, sadly, a lot of the students we would talk to, I'd try to get kind of, you know, like for one student, for example, was coming to my Bible study for weeks and we were studying the book of Ephesians. And he's just one of these guys that was like, he had kind of spiritual kind of Bible answers. You could tell he'd had some, you know, some background, but it's just, there's just something missing. So I sat down for, with coffee, uh, for coffee with him in the student center. And I was like, Hey man, okay. Zero to hundred percent. That's one of my favorite questions to ask. Um, when I'm doing evangelism. How sure you would go to heaven if you, if you were to die today? He said, I'm 50, 50. And I always like to ask why it kind of gets at the heart of what they believe. And he's like, well, I know if your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds, you get to go to heaven. It's just, I'm just not sure because I'm just, not, I've done a lot of bad things. And I said, well, wh- where did you get that from? How like, and he said, well, that's what I've been taught in church my whole life. And I thought, ah, oh, that can't be, you know, that can't be true. But the more that I really dug with these students, it was, I mean, a lot of good churches. We had some great churches in our yeah. town. There's just a lot of, I think grew up in church and they explicitly heard that their good, you know, their goodness needed to outweigh their badness. And it's just sure. true. And I yeah. think that it, it is honestly coming from Church, the, yeah. a church culture there. Yeah, and it doesn't surprise me. I mean, growing up in the UK, I, you know, I grew up in kind of a very legalistic time within church, uh, churches there too. And I remember, um, especially as a child and a teenager, really thinking legalistically about um, about my faith. I felt like that I was a Christian, I followed Jesus. Um, but to recognize another Christian um, was to see what they did in their actions. So like, did they drink beer? Probably not a Christian. You know, what did they wear? Mm, Probably not a Christian. Did they buy ice cream on a Sunday? Probably not a Christian. (laughs) So there was all this very false idea of kind of legalism and the fact that it was, uh, you followed Jesus, but there was this other stuff that you had to do too. And it wasn't until I got to college myself, um, that I really started to learn the difference there too. So I don't think that's just something that's, um, you know, something that's special just about, you know, churches in America or the way the gospel spoke in America too. I think it's, I think it's maybe kind of a global problem too. Yeah. So, yeah. I think it's yeah. a human condition. We really want to earn our yeah. righteousness. Like that's, I mean, that's my battle. I'm, I'm for sure a believer, but every day I got a battle with, am I going to allow Christ's righteousness to, to be my life and to be my identity and my position this week? Or am I going to, am I going to look to my performance and, and, um, it's hard. I mean, that's that's hardwired into us. I think sure. it's part of our fallen condition. Do you think that's even harder when you're kind of a you're full time in ministry too? Do you think that kind of is is difficult? Where your you know your your job your your day to day job is 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 to make disciples is is the mission yeah. too? Do you, do you feel that pressure's more? Because yeah. Of that? Well, it's 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 incredibly easy to to feel justified at the end of the day when I've. Uh, when I've shared the gospel with someone, or maybe I lead someone to Christ, or maybe I, you know, maybe I see a student kind of have an aha moment. And I think, man, like, okay, check the box. And it's easy for me to kind of come home and and look to those, you know, quote unquote accomplishments and feel justified before the Lord in the same way that, you know, if I have a a rough day and I have some sin struggles and I'm I'm just kind of struggling, it's, it's easy to find my identity in in that and, and feel like, well, maybe the Lord doesn't love me anymore. And so it's a, for sure a battle 
to not look to my performance or my job or whatever as, you know, as my position in Christ. Sure. What, what does a typical day look like for you then? What, working with Athletes in Action in Wisconsin, what does, you know, could you share maybe a story that kind of sums up what you do? Sure, absolutely. Yeah. You know, right now, like I mentioned, again, I'm a team leader and we're praying for a team. We don't have, it's my wife and I. And so, you know, in Arkansas, it looked a lot different. I spent a lot of time with staff members and equipping them and shepherding them to, to go and launch movements. Here, it's, I mean, we're on campus. Well, <laughs> during COVID, we're not on campus. We're not allowed, but we're on co- coffee shops next to campus right now. We're in our, I mean, students in our home. And, um, but, a, you know, a typical day would be, uh, just doing discipleship with students. That's really at the heart of what we want to be doing here is we want to be giving our lives to students and inviting them into our lives. And that's really at the heart of what we're trying to do is, you know, I I shared with you our vision, but our mission statement is to turn lost students into Christ-centered laborers. And that's, you know, at the end of the day, if I can look back at my schedule and say, I I did things that would help non-believers come to know the Lord and helped believers grow in that relationship and get in the game and, and kind of move towards becoming a Christ-centered laborer or a disciple maker, then that was a good, that was a good day. Um, story from this fall, you know, there was a young a freshman football player named Carter who we had gotten in touch with just through Instagram. Just, I'm not great with social media stuff and had some, had some help with that, but we really couldn't get on campus and do team meetings and meet people. And so it's a lot of Instagram strategies. And he said he was interested and sat down with him. He had never been to church. He had an uncle in Idaho or something that was a Christian, but he had this Bible, was having a hard time understanding it, and uh, got to share the gospel with him and, and saw him come to know the Lord. And now over the last six months, I've been discipling him. And so every, you know, he'll come to my Bible study every week, but then we'll meet one-on-one and and we'll just talk about just the basics of Christianity. What is it? How do you study your Bible? How do you know it's true? How do you walk in the power of the Holy Spirit? And man, I love it. I I would I would love to just get rid of all the admin, all the talk preparation, all the other stuff, and just be with these guys every day. Um, so that's a that's the bulk of what we really do now. So Nick, when I was in college, uh, the main focus of campus ministries uh, seemed to be cold contact evangelism. Um, So this was just going up to people uh, on the campus and initiating a conversation with them about the gospel. Um, Another tactic as well was maybe mission events where they'd rent out a large tent or a um, venue and there'd be a speaker that came and gave a talk. And the idea would be to invite people along so they could hear the gospel and respond to that. So is that still uh, the main strategy today or have you noticed uh, a change uh, over the past few years? Yes, I do think that it is changing and I think our organization is recognizing that and changing and I think it needs to continue to change. I think when you know, I was thinking about this and some of the early frustrations I had when I was on staff and just not seeing the fruit that I wanted to from it, you know, if we did like a large evangelistic event, like we brought in a magician or a, uh, just some sort of speaker or whatever. It, it just, I, I never really felt like we got the bang for the buck that I wanted. We'd get decisions and people would check boxes on the cards and then we'd, we'd very earnestly go follow up with them and never really saw many become disciples. Um, you know, when I compare 
my experience with doing cold contact evangelism, like in the student center versus guys that I have a relationship with, you know, I see, we see more people come to faith through friendships and relationships. However, I still like the cold contact and I still, still think it's helpful and important. You know, this young man, Carter, that I was talking about when you take a new believer like that and you're talking to, you know, you're sharing from scripture, this is why evangelism evangelism is important. This is what it looks like. These are things you'd need to communicate. It just doesn't compare to having him come with you and just share the gospel with somebody. I mean, it's a, it's honestly a life changing experience for these new believers because they see, Hey, I can, I can do this with my teammate. I can do this with my dorm, my suite mate. And, uh, I don't like to think of it as just a training ground because that's because we legitimately see people trust Christ when you do that. But at the same time, it really is good training for these young students, because if they can walk up to a random person in the student center and, and, and initiate, ask good questions, learn how to listen, then they can do that in their dorm room or they can do that in the yeah. lunchroom with their friends. And I've found a direct correlation. The more that they do that kind of evangelism on you know just random people, the more they do it with their friends and ultimately the more people I think they can lead to the Lord. And so it certainly has its place. I do think we need to keep kind of evolving in our evangelism strategies though. Those things too. Yeah. I like what you say, Nick, about kind of drawing that comparison between like a decision maker and a disciple. Um, it's much easier when we talk about events to measure success. You know, it's much easier to put on a big event and have 50 people that checked a card that they were interested. Or it's much easier to say, I went out today and I shared the gospel with eight people. Uh, it's much more difficult to measure uh, that idea of discipleship where you're actually spending the time investing relationally into someone. Uh, that's definitely where the hard work is because it, it takes it takes time. It takes time to build relationships uh, and it takes time and investment to uh, to disciple someone too. Yeah, it's, it's just so not as sexy to do discipleship as it is to do, you know, like when, I, when we do that event, we spend lots of money, we get 500 people in the room and then we get 20 people to check the box. It's, that's a, that's a story I can send back to my ministry supporters. And it sounds awesome. But when, when I'm sitting there with a student on campus and, you know, for the fifth week in a row, he's failed again and he struggled again. And it's just like, man, is this really going anywhere? Is this, you know, like, this is not, (laughs) this is, this is, uh, this doesn't feel like successful ministry. Yeah. Um, But that's the work that I and I think that's that's true discipleship too. I mean, that's true for all of us. You know, this discipleship yeah. being this lifelong process. We're all on this uh, long, lifelong journey too. And the reality is, we don't just punch our card into heaven and be done. Uh, yeah. We kind of start that that journey of following Jesus, and, and yeah. it continues. So I continue to need to be a disciple and to be discipled. Yeah. Um, and. And to be fair, I, w- I I don't mean to knock the large events. We still do those, yeah. and I think they still have their place. I just think if that if that's the end goal, if the goal is to get that many people in a room, and you know, it's like to make decisions, and then you know, you've got to have a good follow up plan, and hopefully, you really can follow up with these people. And so, it, it certainly is good work. I I don't you know, yeah, I don't. Well, no, it's true. I, but I think I think the reality is what I you know I guess what I would hope that people understood is. While there's a place for those events, normally if I stand in a room, um, I did this recently with a group of small group leaders a couple of years back, and I ask a question of how people first came to be introduced to the gospel. Um, If I ask how many people came because of a relationship or friendship or a family member, the majority of hands 
uh, are going to go up. If I ask people, you know, who came because of an event or a mission outreach, then it's going to be one or two. And I think it's like you were saying before, it's like the, the stuff that looks showy, the stuff that looks good is those events. And they do have a place. But actually, yeah. the, the stuff that really has the greatest impact is is the stuff that's difficult to measure. It's mm-hmm. it's those times, friendships, those relationships, um, the people that you train that go back and, and tell their dormmates or, or tell their family to. And it's so it's so much harder to kind of measure that as as a as a as a measurable. So yeah, yeah absolutely. So is there a place where the church and and other Christians could learn from? kind of the college ministry approach to discipleship and evangelism? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think one of the areas, like I talked, I mentioned before, partnership, one of the areas that I would really, I really would love for our ministry to be a resource, you know, in our local town here is just, is the discipleship aspect and the evangelism. Um, I think that as a whole, but one area that I've seen that in my own experience being involved in churches over the years, one consistent area of weakness that I think is just in kind of the lay person, the small group leader, maybe the Bible study leader. Um, so some some are able to handle the word. In a, you know, tip, think of a typical Bible study kind of format. The church you have Bible, you, you go to the large group, you go to you go to Sunday service, and then you can get involved in the Bible study. And that's one of the areas that I really feel like we that they could learn from some college ministries, um, just in training how, these leaders how to well one handle the word, but but more than just study a passage, but how does that passage apply to your life? Like, how are you going to, uh, even just in the area of drawing people, confessing sin, talking about how they're really doing, sharing life, um, thinking about how we're going to take the good news of the gospel out to other people throughout the week, or how we're going to impact our workplace for Christ. And I just don't know that 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 kind of the real applicable kind of discussions of how yeah, how does your faith play out in your workplace? How does you, how, what does it look like to be a Christian as a doctor or a teacher? And um, what does it look like to share the gospel in those places, to make disciples? I feel like yeah. a bit of a broken record. I mean, discipleship <laughs> and evangelism are my answers. So, like, that's what I think we're really good at. And that's where I would love, you know, I had a doctor a few years ago at, our, at a different church invite me into his small group. And he said, you know, I really want these guys to understand like how to do evangelism, bunch of professional businessmen and, you know, just successful guys, about 10 of them. And he said, I really want them to learn how to do evangelism. And I don't really know how to explain it. So I just did a small half hour little training that I give to our students. And, uh, you know, he sent me a thank you note the week after. And he said, uh, you know, loved it, whatever, blah, blah, blah. He said, I shared the gospel twice in my clinic this last week, which is two more times than I've done in the last 10 years. And I just thought, man, and this guy's sharp. You know, he, he, he knows the Bible, leads his family well, loves his wife, but he, he didn't have any idea how to do evangelism. He didn't, mm-hmm. or maybe he just didn't have the motivation. And I think, man, that's, that's a gap there. Yeah, And I think that's, I think that's kind of the, the, the key to, from, from hearing you, you talk and kind of you, the story that you shared too, I think oftentimes what we see is we have, especially in in the states, we have um, we have large churches that run excellent programs, uh, excellent speakers, excellent youth programs, um, excellent adult education programs. Um, but oftentimes, what we I think we find with that is this idea that it's it's someone else's job, 
Uh, it's it's not a kind of personal call to be on mission. Mm-hmm. And I think COVID has especially painted the picture of that. With COVID closing down a lot of churches across the country, um, people have been floundering um, because they necessarily haven't been equipped to uh, to grow, to grow in their own understanding of what it means to be a follower of Jesus and to grow in their own mission too. There, there was an example I think I read. It was like becoming becoming a follower of Jesus is like a big... It's like a big going to a big banquet. And when you arrive at the meal as a new believer, you're kind of a baby and you need someone to help kind of spoon feed you uh, the food. And then the idea is that you're supposed to be growing as a disciple. Uh, so one day you should be able to kind of feed yourself and also help assist uh, kind of feeding others, too. Um, and I, I don't know if 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 that happens, I you know, that. I think what I what I take away from, from the college ministry is the fact that your focus isn't on uh, just having decision makers, it's not just having someone just sitting as a as a passive participant, uh, but you're looking for people to actively participate in their faith. Um, and I think college ministry allows you to do that because normally you're kind of a, a smaller team, a smaller group uh, on campus. I think it's easier within the church setting, if they don't have that focus. And some churches do. Let's, let's you know, let's not throw everything under the bus. Some right. churches do. Um, but, you know, to have that kind of focus on on discipleship and evangelism. So. Yeah. Yeah, and I really wish it was more a part of church culture and church, you know, when you get involved in the local church. I've, I've been a part of a few churches that that do a good job of this and they recognize it and they, they have a culture of discipleship and then others that just, I, I just don't, I don't think that they're, um, they have ill intentions. I just don't know that it's, they don't know necessarily what, what to do. That's a, that's a big hurdle sometimes. Yeah. Uh, one book that I really would recommend, uh, for anyone listening that wants to learn more about discipleship is, it's called the Master Plan of Evangelism. I've got one, but here, but it's by Dr. Uh, Robert Coleman. It's just eight chapters. It's really short. You probably read it in half a day. It just talks. About, it just looks at the model of how Jesus did discipleship in his in his roughly three years with you know, and just that it was. Um, so the Master Plan of Evangelism is to do discipleship. He had the large crowds. He did the the miracles, and he preached to you know five ten thousand people. He was a rock star. But at the end of the day, where he really spent his time was with 12 guys, mm-hmm. and sometimes more specifically with the three guys, um, Peter, James, and John. And that was his that was his plan to win the world to himself, was discipleship. And it just talks about what he did, how he how he kind of functioned, and it's full of scripture. And it's, I mean, it's next to scripture, it's it's definitely guided me most towards how to do discipleship. And so I can't recommend, recommend it highly enough. Uh, Master Plan of Evangelism by Dr. Coleman. But, you know, we have all of our disciples in ministry, their second year, that's the curriculum. They go through that and they, they learn what it looks like and that that's, that's, the, that's the job of the church to make disciples. Yeah. <laughs> It certainly is. I have a I have a question just linking back to something that you said earlier and just to this idea of uh, discipleship um, and training and all those things, too. You said that when you went to the winter conference for crew, uh, you decided then then that you were going to sign up to be um, on the team. You were going to be a crew team member, um, but you literally just become a Christian 10 minutes ago. So 
Um, how does the idea there of, you know, I think sometimes we feel like, hey, if someone's just come to Christ, you know, we need to put them through a lot of training before they're um, able to to do to do this, to do evangelism or do mission. And people feel like that. That's an excuse that people give a lot will be, oh, I just didn't know what to say or I don't know what I do. Um, is that is it true? Were you were you not equipped right then? Was that a wise decision? Should you have gone through four years of training before you became a crew member? Or in some <laughs> in some sense, I I wish someone would have slowed me down a little bit. I jumped in. I just kind of my personality. I just jumped in head first. And so yes and no. What I knew about Jesus at, after that conference, I could have probably filled up a post-it note with what I knew. But that was enough to go out the next day. We went downtown Minneapolis and we went door to door doing evangelism. And the little post-it note I had, the four spiritual laws, the the things that you need to know to become a Christian, that's all I had. And that's all we did. That's all I could say. And we saw someone else trust Christ while we were going door to door. And so in some sense, yeah, I was not ready to do a lot of the work of ministry. I, you know, I was still involved in a lot of really <laughs> sinful things. And it took several months to kind of, you know, fully turn and repent from some of my lifestyle. But boy, I, I could tell people about Jesus. I could tell them about what he'd done for me. Think about yeah. the, the woman at the well with, with how many husbands. And, you know, she, as soon as she figured out who Jesus really was, she went back and told everybody. And a bunch of people came out to see Jesus. That's, that's evangelism. Um, mm-hmm. We think about you know, the way that Jesus kind of equipped and, and got his disciples ready. He certainly took his time um, and he told them to wait for the Holy Spirit. That's that's probably, you know, one of the critical things that, that is different from, from today. But but he sent them out while he was with them. You know, he sent out 72 guys in the middle of his ministry as he was training them. Go out to every town, preach the good news. Don't take a, you know, don't take a purse or a tunic and or um, Wherever you stay, let people feed you. And so he he certainly gave them ministry opportunity. You gotta get people in the game right away. I think there's no there's no I mean it's there's no real fine line on okay, now they're ready. You gotta get people out sharing their faith. Go to your family, go to your friends. And over time, teach them how to teach the Bible to a small group, teach them how to make disciples, teach them how to preach a sermon. Absolutely. So it's it's yeah, there's no real playbook on when yeah. and where, but evangelism. Yeah. The next minute. Go the next minute. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. Well, uh, just in kind of closing here, Nick, um, if people want to find out more about the work of Athletes in Action, where could they uh, Where could they go? Where would be a good place for them to kind of learn about what you guys do? Yeah, in general, you can just Google Athletes in Action. You can see a lot of the different opportunities that we have just across the world. If people are interested in getting involved or um, specifically my wife's and I ministry, I believe that you said you might put a link in there, but yeah, you know, if yeah. you're interested in learning more about what we do, but, um, but I think just, you know, I think it's athletesinaction.org they can, they can go to, or maybe it's, maybe they can Google it, but, um, lots of good stuff. Well, Nick, thank you so much, uh, for talking with us today. I really appreciate your time. Thanks, James. I appreciate your heart for, uh, heart for the lost and heart to help the church grow. And, and, uh, I think this podcast is just a wonderful idea. So thanks again for having me. Yeah. Thanks, Nick.
Okay, so there we go. I hope you uh, enjoyed listening to that interview with Nick Nick Fast. Um, and I'm going to include Nick and Jenna's details uh, along in the description of the podcast. Uh, so you can go and um, check out their kind of support page. And you can also check out Athletes in Action and kind of learn more about the organization. And I think it's worth mentioning that this podcast is, we're about missions. We're about talking about mission, defining what it is, and hopefully inspiring you guys, the listeners, um, with some different stories from different organizations. Uh, and it's really tempting just to make the whole podcast about Revive. Um, but I think one of the key things we wanted to do is we realized there are, there are so many people out there who are pioneering um, new roads uh, into their own communities and their own um, cities. Um, so I think it's really good just to kind of connect with some different people. And, and I'll be honest, Andy, I just enjoy, I just enjoy talking to people. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. You, you did it really well, James. Well done. It was a great oh, interview. You did it so well. Thanks, and thanks guys. to Nick as well for uh, enduring half an hour with, uh, with yeah. you. <laughs> well, what's really funny is that that is actually half an hour of maybe an hour and a half conversation. Uh, your, so your edit your editing skills were amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's 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 fun. It's you know I just think a lot of the time just having a conversation about something, just finding out about what someone does. Uh, mm. how they work, how they function, how they think through things. It helps me process my own understanding as yeah. well uh, yeah. when, we, when we have those conversations. And, yeah. and it was interesting as well just to kind of get reconnected with someone that works in, in the college setting because mm. a college feels like a, a long time ago and getting, mm. getting longer. Um, but, I, you know, I, I know that's how we met. We met in college and mm -hmm. both of us, uh, were involved with um, with college ministry, uh, both uh, something along the lines of athletes in action. Um, in in the UK, it's um, Christians Christians in sport. It's Christians in sport. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, we had Christians in sport. We had um, a college ministry at the local church that we both attended, uh, and then we also were involved in UCCF. Yeah. Did I get that right? Look at that. Yeah. My brain's yeah, not completely gone. It's not, you know, yeah. kids haven't totally turned my brain to mush. So we had <laughs> lots of and there was also there was also um Agape, Agape as well. Agape. Yeah. 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 So there was a few kind of college ministries. Mm. Um and how do you think, Andy? Do you think that you benefited as a student from being involved with those with those ministries? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean I remember being a being a, a what we would call in the UK a fresher, but I think the Americans call it a freshman. I was yeah. as a, what would the freshman year. The Brazilians call it. Ah, uh, no idea. Novato, I think novato, <laughs> kind of newbie, a new boy. A, a boy. <laughs> yeah, but I just I I remember you know going in to um to Newcastle University in my first year and. I came obviously from, uh, you know, from a Christian family, and so I'm going to church. It had always been, you know, kind of part of my, my growing up. And I remember visiting quite a few different churches, you know, in my first few weeks and months uh, at college. And I got stuck into uh, the Jesmond Church where where me and me and you met, James. But I remember it was quite. It was a very big church, and there's a great student ministry there. But for one reason or another, I don't think I got really involved with the church ministry, the church student ministry, like straight away. But I do remember 
um, a guy from one of the, you know, the campus-based ministries gets in touch with me. I think it was maybe through the, the Christian union that we have at college, which is a group of Christians from all different churches who get, to, who get together. And I remember he just used to take me out, me and a few other, a handful of, a handful of other guys. And we'd go and shoot pool, play snooker like the British people do. We'd have a beer <laughs> and, uh, and, and uh, yeah, just chat. And it was really good. And I remember that was a really, it was kind of like, at, my, at the big church, I hadn't really got stuck in. I was going to the services. But to have that kind of pastoral support and the kind of discipleship um, was, was at first hand at least, done through, the, the, through one of these guys like, like Nick. So that was a really positive, positive thing for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me too, I, you know, again, similar, similar story from a Christian home. Um, I, you know, arrived in Newcastle and, uh, quickly got involved with, um, with Jesmond church too, which is where we met and then quickly got involved with UCCF, the Christian union that was there too. It's funny. I think oftentimes uh, Nick, you know, he talked a little about, about, big events or big meetings mm. and stuff like that too. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that in a minute. But um, for me, if I look back on my time, uh, my nearly eight years <laughs> at university, at college, um, you know, the thing that was that probably had the most impact from those college ministries was the, um, was the relationships that were built, the peer relationships that were built. Um, so the community that was built, like it was mm. one of the first times in my life that I'd had some good, solid uh, Christian friends yeah. um, to really kind of work through things together, to kind of do yeah. life together. Um, yeah. And then the other one, too, was it was kind of also having some older Christian guys that really were going to invest in my life um, mm. was also really, you know, really key and, and really important, too. Yeah, that's so true, James, because because um, I remember we had a, a little group, I think we'd call, we went through a living online kind of resource. I don't know if you remember that resource, but it was kind of like, it just, just yeah, I don't know. I can't remember. You, you've got a much younger brain. That's probably <laughs> <laughs> But I just remember it as being kind of like a discipleship group, which every single week I would go along and it'd be in, you know, some, some guy's house and so off of campus. And we'd have some food and uh, we'd, we'd, we'd had a chat and we'll go through this kind of like little Bible study and we'd, we'd pray together. And I think that was a really cool, um, again, sense of community, a good group of Christian guys. Um, so that was really, really fun. I'd just like to say, you know, well done to, uh, to Nick. He's doing a great, uh, a great ministry um, amongst, the, uh, amongst the students. And also it very applicable to, to call to the far shore because we're all about doing mission, but kind of trying to identify those groups of people who perhaps aren't being engaged by the established church or by other organizations. And Nick very put it very well of how they realized that the, the athletes in college, they weren't really being engaged by any of the other ministries, by the churches. And so he pioneered, um, you know, this new this new work with them so very very cool to the far shore so that's a good mentality so well done to nick <laughs> yeah no and, and it's it's true and i you know i think i think it must be uh, kind of difficult to be in college ministry sometimes because you know people like nick uh, rely on support of churches and mm. and other people as 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 a lot of people do 
in in full-time ministry yeah. and i think one of the things that we kind of touched about a little bit was this idea of of success and that's mm. actually going to be our topic for, for next week's podcast we're going to be yeah. talking about success um but where he was talking about this idea of the big event versus mm. these kind of small interactions yeah. and how you know when you put on a big event you know he's talking about inviting a magician you know having a crowd of 250 people if you put that in a prayer letter or a support letter mm. it sounds really yeah. effective um mm. but on the ground you know he was finding that that those kind of events while they look good and while he was faithfully following up with people that you know mm. checked a card that they were interested Ultimately, what what's more effective is this really long term investment in in young men and young women's lives. Yeah. Um, relational, relational. Which, yeah. but he says, unfortunately, on, on paper, uh, it doesn't sound as good to be like, hey, yeah. I'm, I've been meeting with the same guy for for five weeks and he's still in the same place he was five weeks ago. Uh, yeah. But it's probably a more accurate picture of the discipleship process, which is you know this kind of shoulder to shoulder, life yeah. on life doing life together. I, I think there's this this idea that we count someone as a Christian because they prayed the prayer or they walked yeah. down the aisle, they came to the front, yeah. um, someone lay hands on them or something like that. Yeah. And, and I think it. yeah, I think coming to coming to be a Christian is is a process. It's not a one off event. Yeah. Uh, a one off event may be the catalyst that kickstarts it. Mm-hmm. Um, but to it's, build that relationship. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, or just acknowledge acknowledge the start of relationship, you yeah, know. Yeah. Uh, but then that relationship takes takes time, it takes investment, and things like that too. Yeah. So. Well, yeah. well, I'm looking forward to the next episode where we're going to talk a lot about about success. That would be good. Well, there we go. Um, another another episode down. Um, I, uh, you know, we talked about giving people, you know, the people that listen to this point, we talked about giving them some kind of like bonus yeah. at the end. Now, unfortunately, my bonus this week was going to be that we, uh, I was going to release the first sample from my Portuguese song. No. Um, but unfortunately, I'm still still hard at work. And I think I think I said two weeks on episode two, but I think it's going to be more like more like three weeks. Um, oh yeah, I was I was I thought we had like two months to do it. I two months? Oh no 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 no. No, it was a, oh um, right. Oh, well, better yeah, get my I better yeah, get my maracas get... out. So what what I'm struggling with, Andy, is is rhyming, uh, rhyming Portuguese. Do you know how difficult it is uh, to one pronounce a Portuguese word and then rhyme it with another Portuguese word? <laughs> so I think I might have to rope in your wife. I might have to secretly text it because I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, you to get you know get any hints. But I might have to secretly text Rosie to get some help on some pronunciation. So, um, you know, because you don't know how the I don't know how words end in Portuguese. So, you know, I I, I like the lengths that you're going. You're oh, going. You're investing a lot in this. I am. Yeah. Yeah. And I've so, also oh I've been God. listening to been listening to Sue George. Um, oh, yes. yeah. oh yeah. Oh yeah. Famous. Uh, Famous. Uh, is he is? Is he Portuguese or is he Brazilian? Oh, do you know? I think he's Brazilian. Is he I Brazilian? Think. I, yeah. th- I thought so too. That's why I, I mentioned him, yeah. but I didn't want to. Then oh yeah, embarrass him. Okay. No, he's very, very, very famous. <laughs> very, very famous. famous. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Talented musician. So, um, so I've been listening to him for you know inspiration. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, I'm looking forward to hearing yours, man. Because oh, mine's okay. going to be yeah. terrible. Yeah.
Oh, well, I'm sure be it won't be. Yeah, sure it won't be. We were talking about college ministry today, and I, I remember you standing at the front of our college meetings, rocking out on the on the guitar. So just, uh, just the good Christian boy that I was. Yeah, and I yeah. and I, me as a good conservative Christian, I stood with my hands shoved in my pockets in the back row. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> there you go, little little no uh, Christian little Christian in joke for people that stayed stayed to the yeah, end there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay well great thank you for joining us for another episode of call to the far shore and uh yeah please keep an eye out in this next week we uh, are going to release a special podcast about the work of revive and uh, keep an eye out for our episode next week where we're going to be talking about success success in ministry thank you for listening if you'd like to get in contact with the show you can email us at the at reviveinternational.net To learn more about the work of Revive International, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or our website, revive-international.org. Please subscribe to keep track of new episodes. We look forward to you joining us on our next journey being called to the far shore.